Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your guest co-host, the 2022 Handicapper of the Year, Andrew Gombas. Today, we're going to talk about the UFC in 2023. We're going to give our year-end awards like we do every single year. I've been doing it every year for a while, but now it's the second annual year of us doing it together, and I think that's going to be a tradition going forward. So, Andrew, I mean, a lot to unpack. Quite a year 2023 was. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's an honor to be chosen for the big award show. Um, I'm very happy to be here. It was a crazy year in MMA, and you said it best. There's a lot to unpack, and I'm looking forward to trying to do so. Well, let's get right down to business because first up, the KO of the year, the knockout of the year. I got to let my guest go first. What do you think the knockout of 2023 is? I think we're going to have the same one here. I think Israel Adesanya over Alex Pereira, just given you know the magnitude of that fight, what that meant to him on a personal level. Um, I actually was at that fight, so I got to see that live. And that was one of the craziest moments I've ever seen in all my years watching MMA. So between just the fact that he completely put him out cold with, with his back to the fence, the fact that he was kind of on his last shot to beat this guy – in MMA, it seemed like, and um, the, the fight was close up until that point. It wasn't like Adesanya went out there and outclassed him. You know, it was it was a very competitive fight through seven, eight minutes, whatever it was. It actually seemed like Pereira had Adesanya in a little bit of trouble. Backs against the wall. He creates one of the biggest moments of the year. So I'm going with Adesanya over Pereira. Yeah, and what's amazing about that knockout and just their whole rivalry is that, like, you watch the kickboxing fights and like Adesanya is winning most of them until he got caught in kickboxing. Um, the one that went to decision, you know, could have gone either way. And then in MMA, the first MMA fight was going Izzy's way. I mean, it w- not it wasn't, you know, scot free, but it was yeah. going Izzy's way. And then Alex ended up, you know, finishing. But that last time it was going Alex's way. I mean, that combo Alex was landing on him was beautiful. And then out of nowhere, boom. And I think that's got to be the knockout of the year. I agree with you on that. Just to give a couple shout-outs to some other uh, knockouts that I really liked, I thought Bonfim's flying knee over McKinney was great. Um, This kid, Ash Moose, had this underrated knockout against Patterson where it was very scary. Uh, Obviously, Font versus Yanez, Aspinall and Pavlovich, O'Malley Sterling. How can you not bring that up? A little sleeper one. Um, Brian Battle against Gabe Green, um, Carlos Diego versus Michael Johnson, and then, of course, the legend Robbie Lawler retiring against Nico Price um, with an epic knockout. So those are those are my top ones, but number one, I agree with you, it has to be Izzy versus Pereira. Yeah, that Lawler, um, that Lawler knockout was actually my second choice. Yeah, hell of a choice. Any other honorable mentions or anything else you want to? I think you pretty much nailed it because when you're talking about knockout of the year, it's a combination of a few things. It's not, it's, you know, skill wise or eyes wise, which one, which knockout looked the best. It's how meaningful was the knockout, like the Adesanya knockout, for example, was for the belt. It was settling his biggest rivalry ever. Um, The Robbie Lawler one, it was his retirement fight. So there's a lot that goes into it, but I think we got the best ones. Submission of the year i have a feeling i know which one you're gonna go with so i'm curious if i'm right in my prediction what what's your submission of the year uh the black sheer twister oh i was wrong i thought you were gonna go with alexa grasso yeah that's a great one too 
for sure. But yeah, I love, I just, you know, I mean, obviously as a grappler, it's really fun to see a sub like a rare, unique submission like that. I think it's only happened a handful of times in the history of the UFC. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I can only think of a couple and just the way he, and I, I bet on him. So I was super into it too. And it just, for me, that was a submission of the year. Just the fact that he, you know, we see a lot of rear naked chokes, arm triangles, that kind of stuff. But how often do you see a guy win by twister in the UFC? It's one thing if you do it on the regionals against, you know, maybe you run into a guy who's like two and two and he's a white belt. But when you're fighting in the biggest stage, like the UFC and you can hit a twister. I think that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. That was on my list as well. And someone brought up a good knockout that we might've left off a Gaethje's head kick knockout of Poirier. That was a very good knockout and for BMF uh, implications. So definitely got to put that on there, but back to the submissions. Yeah. I had that one uh, last on my list. There were, there were a few that I think need to get some shine. Saeed Nurmagomedov with his damn ninja chokes. I mean, he is just yeah. nasty. He's hit multiple people with it. Brito had an also had a ninja choke against uh JSP recently. Um, a few other ones I liked. I mean, you got to mention, speaking of ninja chokes, Myra Bueno Silva, ninja choking Holly Holm, securing her title shot. There's that. Um, I really, really liked. Uh, I mean, it's not about who I liked, but it's about John Jones coming off that layoff. People questioning him. Goes back up, up a weight class, gets the heavyweight belt against Gone via submission really quickly, too. That's got to be there, but my favorite, and I might be biased, but this is the only submission of the year where I was jumping up and down. I was going crazy, and that was Jared Gooden against Wellington Termon. Wellington Termon's a black belt under Glover Teixeira, and people have maybe knocked him out before, but no one's ever submitted him before. And, um, man, that sequence in that second round when Jared hit him with the judo throw, goes to mount, lands some brutal ground and pound, and then takes his back and makes the black belt tap. Uh, that's a uh, that's my submission of the year. I think that's a great choice, especially given the fact that, you know, it, it's a it's a guy in Jared Gooden who this is not his first stint in the UFC. He's had some mixed results, but he's the kind of guy that just answers the phone every single time and says yes every single time. And he had lost earlier in the year to Carlston Harris. And if he lost to Wellington Terman, he might not have been around after that. So the fact that he went out there faced faced a lot of adversity early on, overcame it all. And like you said, to submit a black belt like that, he, he's got the dog in him. So I, I think that's a great choice. And I'm glad you brought up Carlson Harris because he had an incredible comeback finish submission over yeah. a black belt in Jeremiah Wells. Like to be down on the cards and then to pull off that anaconda, that's, you got to mention that. And then also that Russian Ronda Nevar, it might not have been the prettiest, but I didn't expect it, and to hit it against the judo player like Edgar, I thought that was badass. So those are my mentions, and my number one is a good and overturn Solid. The fight of the year. So this year, I don't, I didn't think that there was like a clear case for fight of the year. Like last year, what was la last year's fight of the year was Giri versus Glover, right? I felt like yeah. there was no mm -hmm. argument. Here I had a couple. I finally trickled it down to one. Um, let me hear yours first. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And for me, it came down to two fights. One was recently, it was the Rosa versus Aldana fight I thought was really good. But I, I ended up going with uh, Pantoja versus Moreno, the title fight, the flyweight title fight. They both landed over 100 strikes. 
to the head, which is crazy. There were knockdowns. There were transitions on the mat. It had everything, including a very close scorecard. And, uh, yeah, for me, that was – fun fight from the opening belt to 25 minutes later you saw both guys overcome adversity in the fight you saw them push through fatigue eat shots give shots grapple strike wrestle you name it it, it was for me that one had everything yeah you know it's funny i agree with you pantoja versus moreno i mean i literally watched it the other day and i couldn't believe the scrambles the intense pace and for some reason pantoja is always criticized because he goes balls to the wall he goes 100 miles per hour so therefore it might look like he's fatiguing or gassing out and he might be fatiguing and gassing out but he's the kind of guy that can push through it and just really is a dog and then obviously you know moreno's a dog too you put those guys in there and it's going to be chaos so that's my fight of the year but a couple shout outs to some underrated fights that i thought were really good i know a lot of people are going to put shaft versus neil as uh their fight of the year um, I thought it was a great fight. Don't get me wrong. Um, I just didn't quite have it in that number one spot. But a couple that really did it for me was uh, CJ Vergara versus Daniel Da Silva. Like, dude, when he had him running around that, that one point and he was chasing him down. And th like, those are the kind of fights where it doesn't matter. Like, you know, if you've never heard of CJ Vergara, if you've never heard of Daniel Da Silva, you see a fight like that. And that's why we got into the sport to begin with. We didn't know who chuck liddell or rampage was we just knew we like to watch exciting fights and a fight like that between vergara and da silva is what we love in mma i felt like trevor peak versus jose mariscal was a, just a, an exciting brawl and durden and hadley to survive those that arm bar um that yeah you get a lot of praise in my book so those are some of my favorite fights of the year but i'm with you on the number one has to be Pantoja over uh, versus Moreno. So, yeah, that's my number one. Who is your fighter of the year for 2023? Yeah, for me, there were a couple you could make a case for, but I think Sean Strickland has to be number one. You know, he came into this year coming off of a loss um, at the end of 2022, a, a split decision loss to Jared Cannonier. And then he just ripped – he said yes, ripped off one after one after win, had – and I'm going to spoil my upset of the year. I also picked him as my upset of the year over Adesanya. So he goes in, he starts the year off on short notice, gets a win. He gets another win. He ends up in a title shot with Adesanya, who is regarded as one of the best middleweights of all time. It seemed like to me, at least on paper, and, I, and I'm curious if you'll agree. I, I don't remember if we talked about it at the time, but going into that fight, I was like, you know, I mean, Strickland has a puncher's chance, but that's about it. I mean, he's going to come forward. Adesanya is going to counter him. Adesanya is going to kick his legs, blah, blah, blah. And Strickland doesn't go out there and land a fluke punch. Strickland goes out there and, and control and handedly wins the fight over 25 minutes, going, I believe, 3-0 in 2023. Did he have two finishes? He finished Imabov, right? Or did he win a decision? I'm trying to uh, He finished Abus Magomedov. Yeah, yeah, okay. So he had three wins. He had a finish in there. Three good wins. I mean, the, the uh, Adesanya one's a really good win. So he's my fighter of the year. Some other people who came to mind, were, ironically, they're going to fight next month, but Drikas Duplessis comes to mind. Um, he finished Robert Whitaker. He finished uh, Derek Brunson, and he catapulted himself into a title shot. Um, Benoit Saint-Denis, another one, ripped off a few wins in 2023. So there were some good choices for sure, but and even Pantoja, you could make a case for. He wins the belt, he defends it, uh, went two and zero. But I think Strickland uh, takes the cake. I'm curious to hear if you agree. So last year we both had a consensus fighter of the year, and that was 
uh, Alex Pereira, right? Yeah. Got the middleweight belt. And interestingly enough, we can make an argument. He can be fighter of the year this year, too. He won the light yeah. heavyweight belt. Mm -hmm. But I actually agree with you. Sean Strickland is my fighter of the year. Because like you were talking about, at the end of last year, he had the knockout loss to Pereira. He had the close split decision loss to Cannoneer. And the Cannoneer fight was in December of 2022 this guy bounces back in january 2023 the first event of the year against imavov they call him up because initially i don't know if you remember it was supposed to be imavov versus kelvin gastelum yeah. right mm -hmm. so they hit up sean strickland on like a couple days notice the, the fight had to be at what was it 205 or 195 it was it was either a catchweight or it was up a weight class because you know strickland was literally off the couch uh, so he goes in. It's a five round fight. Sean Strickland's not one of these guys. Oh, it's short notice. Let me let me get a three round fight. No, this guy off the couch took a five round fight, put a clinic on him for five rounds, goes in there against Abus, who at the time, uh, Abus like had just front kicked Stoltzfus and people were talking about this is the dark horse, this and that, you know, Sean Strickland runs through him. And then the Izzy performance like um, next week. I'm doing my boldest predictions with Liam and one of my boldest predictions. I'm just going to give one away right now is that Adesanya will not fight in 2023. I mean, in 2024, excuse me. And, and part of the reason being is because of what uh, Strickland did to him. Like, for example, you know, the upcoming fight is Strickland versus Duplessis. Normally when you have a long reigning champ with such a history like Adesanya, it's instant rematch after instant rematch. The fact that Adesanya is not fighting Strickland next speaks volumes about the mental state of Adesanya after what he went through there. And I don't think we see him again in, in 2024, Andrew. So that's a bold prediction for you. But um, as far as fighter of the year is concerned, you mentioned good options. You mentioned Pantoja. We mentioned Alex Pereira, but I'm with you. The guy that takes the cake is Sean Strickland. I mean, if you would have told me this time last year that Sean Strickland would be a UFC world champion, <laughs> I mean, I've always respected him. I've always thought yeah, he was yeah. the man, but like to, but, but champ, you know, there's a difference between a top 10 guy and a champ and he's a undisputed champ. So you love to see it. He's my fighter of the year. Yeah. A, a lot changed from when we had this conversation last year to now. hundred percent. So now back to the upset of the year and that goes to kind of some of the ones we've been talking about so strickland versus izzy has to be right up there yeah. and you mentioned a good one in the last uh, category duplessis versus whitaker i mean dude for some reason like it looks super ugly when duplessis fights but he's effective one sec <coughs> excuse me so it's super ugly when duplessis fights but he's effective. I don't know what it is. He's got that that one hitter quitter. I mean, even when he gets in bad spots on the mat, he's able to scramble out. He's got insane amounts of heart. But to rock a guy like Whitaker with a jab and to just just get him out of there the way he did, um, that's got to be one of the upsets of the year. Because you know, people were counting it, uh, counting him out to a point where it was like, okay, so he, he, you know, he's beat. Who did he beat? Trevin Giles and. You know, a couple other guys, Derek Brunson, but he's not going to beat Robert Whitaker. I mean, it's it's fucking Bobby Knuckles. You know, everyone loves this guy, and he didn't just beat him. He he walked through him. And again, when you're dropping a world class fighters with jabs, and yeah, I think he established his presence, his dominance, and that he's the clear cut number one contender in the middleweight division. And that's got to be the upset of the year if you're not giving it to Strickland. Yeah, I, I chose Strickland over Adesanya, but I mean, 
those are all solid options. And I, I saw someone in the chat said, um, I know, sorry, that was for comeback of the year, but Mike Breed and over Jubilee was one of my personal favorite upsets because I had him at like plus 300, uh, maybe even more than that. And it was a crazy fight. We'll touch on that later. But yeah, for me, Strickland over Adesanya, which is funny saying it now because if they ran that fight back in a month, like in Strickland one again, none of us would see that as an upset. Yeah, that's how like I was talking about this with a buddy of mine years ago. Remember when Holly Holm, excuse me, when Ronda Rousey was like, what, minus 1,200, minus 1,400 against Holly Holm, right? Um, and, you know, sometimes when certain results happen, you can call it a fluke, you can call it this, oh, but that was just one iteration of the fight. They run it back X amount of times, it's going to be a different result. And not saying that Holly head kicks her every single time, but what I am saying is that there's no way in hell Ronda would ever be minus 1,200 against Holly Holm ever again. And likewise, uh, Adesanya and Strickland odds are going to be 10 times closer. So, yeah. yeah. Good point there, dude. Um, breakout fighter of the year so there's someone that they've been clawing you know they've been scratching their way to the top and and i feel like this is the year they really had a breakout um and i think Taporia is a guy you could mention but honestly you know what's funny about that is that Taporia was my breakout fighter last year um and he only got one fight in this year uh bryce was last year so he only fought emmett this year you know the you remember what the scorecards were in that fight i think it was like 50 43 right 50 44 Dude, I think there was even one fifty forty two. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? So that's definitely an option. But since I already gave that to him last year, um, I got two: one for male and one for female. For female, I'm gonna go Myra Bueno Silva. I've always enjoyed the violence that she brings to the table, and you know, you take note when you know you get those reactions from the ladies when they hit as hard as someone like Myra does. Someone like Amanda Nunes, a cyborg. Myra kind of brings that to the table for kind of a younger, up and coming Brazilian fighter, um, and as a result, she's fighting for a title uh, early next year. So I think Myra. She broke out this year. And then also, I think Brendan Allen, man, he's always a guy who, like, even back in the LFA days, you know, like, he lost to, like, Fluffy and Eric Anders in LFA. But, like, he always showed, like, he had a lot of potential. He's super talented. You know, he's only, like, 26, 27. And he's got a wealth of experience. He's 11-2 and two in the UFC, Andrew. The two fights he lost, credit to Chris Curtis and Sean Strickland. And I would never discredit uh, – you know, those guys' performances, but it did seem like Brendan Allen was emotional in those fights. You know, the corners were talking shit to him. They got to him. Those are the only times that Brendan Allen has lost in the UFC. Besides that, 11-2. and two. I think this year he's already had two main events, and he's got to be entering the conversation for at least the top 10 at the bare minimum. So I think Brendan Allen is uh, the breakout fighter of the year from the male side. That's a really good one, um, and one I wouldn't have wouldn't have thought of if you didn't mention it. I, I went with Benoit Saint-Denis. Yeah. Um, he, went, he went 3-0 in 2023. And not only did he go 3-0, but he had three finishes in the first or second round against three very quality opponents. It started off um, big underdog cash against Ismael Bonfim. Then he beat Tiago Moises, who was a former main eventer. He finished Matt Favola in the first round, which is some, who's someone I think very high of. And he, he's just a guy where it's like, yeah, you know, last year – uh, or prior to 2023, I don't remember if it was last year or the year before, but he, he went up a weight class, lost to Zaleski Dos Santos, 
in a fight most people remember for him taking a lot of damage. Then he got a couple wins over uh, Nicholas Stolze and Gabriel Miranda, who no one really – nothing against those guys, but, you know, you might not know their name. And then this year he comes in and he beats three very, very good guys. So he, he's my breakout fighter of the year because he was a guy on almost no one's radar coming into 2023, and I think he's on everyone's radar coming out of 2023. Performance of the year. So last year – Interestingly enough, I thought Wonderboy got it over Holland. I thought that was an incredible performance. But this year, my performance of the year is an all-time performance. But I want to hear yours first. Yeah, so for, for for performance of the year, I went with John Jones over Surreal Gone just because it wasn't the fact that Jones beat Gone. I, I personally, going into that fight, I thought Jones coming back after a multi-year layoff, up a weight class, getting up there in age – Troubles outside of the octagon, like always. I thought it was a very tough ask, considering I didn't even think he looked that good in his last couple fights before leaving the sport for three years. And then he comes in and he just effortlessly beats Surreal Gan, who's a legitimately great fighter. To me, that was just performance of the year. That he walked, he walked in after leaving the sport pre-pandemic, comes back in 2023 walks through surreal gone in one round it, to me that was just the biggest um the biggest you know i'm i'm the man performance of the year yeah i mean i can't argue with that when you like you said everything you said is correct coming off the layoff all the questions because prior to that you remember the fights he was having with don marias with tiago santos people were thinking hey it might be done yep. and you know, people are giving him a lot of shit about the fact that, oh, you're you, you you've been taking three years, you know, to come back. And, you know, John Jones was saying, hey, I want to put on the size the right way, whatever that means, whether it's a weightlifting program, whether it's harvesting the garden of life, fruits and vegetables, whatever he had to do, he had to get himself right. And boy, did he get himself right because he comes in there. And yeah, maybe people have beaten gone before or had close fights with gone, but no one's ever just walked through him like that. No. And we're talking about a guy that, you know, took two rounds off in Gano, right? So uh, to do that, I mean, yeah, John's has to be, uh, John Jones has to be up there. For me, I think the performance of the year um, is not just the performance of the year, but one of the greatest performances of all time. And that's Jamal Hill over Glover Teixeira. Look at this strike count, bro. 232 to 75. And we're talking about light heavyweight. We're not talking about the little guys. And, and and let's talk about the little guys for a second, okay? What would you consider to be a high output little man fight like Pantoja Moreno? We talked yeah, about how they. That's a, that's a great, they, uh, great example. They, they both, uh, you know, threw over. Okay, Alexandre landed 130 significant strikes. Moreno landed 150 significant strikes. And I'm rounding up just to be nice. Jamal did 232 strikes to 75 he attempted 419 strikes like these are numbers that are unheard of uh in the light heavyweight division and the light heavyweight division is a division that was ruled by john jones for over 10 years a yeah. division that prior to john jones chuck liddell rampage shogun machida forrest griffin like i, I can go on uh, rashad evans like and for this guy to go out there and break the record, the significant strike record at light heavyweight, but he also broke a bunch of records for lighter weight classes, and he's not even 10 fights deep into his UFC career. And little things, since we're so focused on the, the strikes, how about the fact that he passed Glover Teixeira's guard 
in that fight. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. That was, I know it might seem like it's kind of early to say stuff like this, but I don't just think that uh, Hill's one of the best fighters in the world. I think Hill is actually one of the best fighters we've ever seen. And that might sound controversial to a lot of people, but uh, yeah, I think that what we saw was true greatness. And for that reason, that's my performance of the year. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that fight. You know, we all, as betters, we all have those fights where you're like, man, I, I can't believe I passed that. That For me, that was one of the ones this year that comes to mind when I'm like, that was a, a bet I considered. I was, I was considering betting Hill. And when the fight was over, I was like, why did I not just pull the trigger? And the reason why is because he's actually a guy that I underestimated on his way up and lost money betting against him more than once. So I was like, okay, in my head, I'm like, okay, you know, maybe I'm overreacting here. I need to trust my initial gut instinct a little bit just to go inside the mind of, you know, what we go through when trying to make a decision, whether or not to part with our money. These are all things I consider. And, but yeah, that was one where I was very strongly considering it didn't end up clicking the button and and regretted it shortly after that was, that was a fantastic performance was was never close even for a second. And, And I think people, so they see Jamal's physique. So they automatically, I don't know, judge him a certain way. Like they act like he's like Roy Nelson or something. And it's like, dude, that is just not the case. Like, like he just can't have a six pack. That's just not how his physique works. Like that just, it is what it is. But like when you see a guy land like numbers that surpass the little guys, then I just don't understand why you'd even bring up his physique. It's like a non-factor. That's just, that's just how he's built. Like, like I swear to God, people act like it's like Roy Nelson or some shit, bro. Roy Nelson has never landed more than 50 strikes in a single fight, you know? So, and is gassing out. Whereas Jamal took that Glover fight on like a couple weeks short notice. Cause you remember what happened. Ankalaev and Jan went to a draw. So they needed to get the light heavyweight picture. Uh, taken care of. Jamal takes it on short notice and and then breaks the record. So yeah. Speaking of speaking of Jamal Hill, do we have a a time frame for his next fight? Yeah. Um, he said second quarter next year. Nice. Look, definitely looking forward to it. I mean, we we'll, I'm sure we'll touch on the weight class stuff more when we go through our champs for the end of 2024. But to me, that feels like one of you know, the hardest weight classes to predict moving forward. Cause you, not only do you not know who's going to win some of those fights, but you don't even know who's going to get the matchups, who's not going to get the matchups. So for me, there's a lot of question marks around that division and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it progressing. Cause I personally feel like there's some good fights out there. And I also think there's some going to be some good fights from a betting perspective out there where I think the market has some of these guys wrong. And so I'm just looking forward to that division in general moving forward. The rookie of the year. That means they had to have made their debut this year. So last year we gave it to, we were unanimous with Jailton Almeida and Natalia Silva. Uh, But this year, some interesting ones, lots of options. Who'd you go for, for your rookie of the year? I went with Elves Brenner. Yeah. And like you said, there were there were some good options, but Brenner stood out for me because he went three and zero in 2023. And he beat a couple. I mean, his last fight, he got a short notice replacement. He finished him in the first round. You know, he did what he was supposed to do. But it was really the two fights prior to that. I mean, Zubaira Tukugov is a solid fighter, and he came in there as a big underdog. 
won a very close fight against him and then comes back out against Guram Kudalaze, who's also a very solid fighter. And people are like, oh, you know, the Zubaira fought bad, whatever. He should have got the decision. He comes out there and he has a crazy fight with Guram and ends up finishing him in the third round too. So three fights, three wins, two finishes. For me, I think this was the um, this was the uh, rookie of the year. And one more reason why I thought he should be rookie of the year is it was kind of a surprise. Like coming into the UFC, you know how it is. There's some prospects where everyone's like, okay, yep, we know this guy's going to be good. Brenner was two and two in his last four coming into the UFC when he made his debut. So to me, it was a, it was a surprise and it was decisive in the way that he had multiple finishes. There's no question that the level of guys he's beating is solid. Like Zubaira and Guram are, are two guys who I think both have been in the top 15 before. And if they haven't, you can make a case for it. So and, and at a pretty deep weight class, too. So he, he's my uh, he's my rookie of the year for 2023. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot of solid options. The Elvis Brenners, like you mentioned, Diego Lopez, even though he had a loss, he had an incredible fight with Evloev and then came back with two big wins. Bo Nickel, Ikram, this kid, uh, Mohamed Naimov, to come in there in the UFC. Like, to lose to Colin Anglin on contenders, all of a sudden you're beating Nathaniel Wood and Jamie Malarkey. That's a huge way to make your UFC uh, you know, rookie year. But for me, my rookie of the year is Vitor Petrino. This is a guy who gives me the vibes of like the new school Paulo Costa, Yoel Romero, back when, you know, Costa took things seriously and back when Yoel Romero was a big threat. He's got that physique. I could see this guy in the top 15 this time next year, possibly the top 10. Um, and out of all the guys, okay, the thing with Brenner. Like, I can't argue against Brenner being the, the rookie of the year. Look at the guys he's beaten. Look at what he's done. It's just the reason I'm giving it to Vitor Petrino is because I see him going farther than Brenner. Like, I think Brenner is going to hit a ceiling when he hits that top 20, um, even, you know, top 15, if he even gets there. Uh, and that's no disrespect. I think he's fantastic to watch. But Vitor Petrino, you bring this guy along the right way, and he's already had some pretty tough matchups that they gave to other prospects. Like, you know, like, like the Prachnio and um, who's the other uh, guy he beat? Uh, oh, Modestas Bukowskis. Like those are the perfect kind of opponents you give to someone in their rookie year to see how they how they deal with that. Because, hey, uh, Khalil Roundtree lost to Prachnio. You, you understand what I'm saying? Like not, not everyone passes these tests. And Modestas Bukowskis just beat Tyson Pedro, right? So for Petrino to not just beat these guys, but to – beat him the way he's doing so plus his physicality his well-rounded skill set he's my rookie of the year it's a great choice story of the year um i'm gonna go first it's half ufc half boxing but i mean it has to be francis and ganu francis and ganu has to be the story of the year man i mean like to vacate the ufc heavyweight belt first of all you know, a lot of us were like, bro, what the fuck? We want to see this John Jones fight. We still want to see this John Jones fight. This man bet on himself. And we all thought, oh, he's going to go box Fury. Okay, I hope the money's worth the brain damage. And then it's him going out there dropping Fury. Uh, maybe didn't quite win the fight because I know boxing scoring is a little bit subjective and a little different. But, like, he performed in a way where it was like a win. Um, and now... He's got all the leverage. He's got all the bargaining power. And that's got to be the story of the year. Because the last time, you know, an MMA guy tried to do boxing, 
at this scale or that it was a bigger scale was Connor, right? But he had the UFC backing with him. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Nganu just bet on himself. He said, I don't need y'all. I'm going to do this on my own. Hopefully he's not, you know, involved in some sketchy contracts that don't let him, you know, perform going forward and stuff like that. Cause I do want to see that John Jones fight still, especially not like I love me some Bruno Ferreira and, you know, some of these guys in PFL, they're fun to watch. Uh, what's the name? Bruno Capaloza and all that. It's great and stuff, but like, come on, man, give me this Jones and Ganu fight. I, I think Ganu had the story of the year. Yeah, that's a great one. For me, I went with Tom Aspinall. I, I Obviously, France is a great story. It was half boxing, half UFC. So I went with Aspinall because he got badly, badly injured in 2022. You remember that Curtis Blades fight? No less than 15 seconds into the fight, he's lying on the ground, holding his knee, screaming in agony. And it was a serious – he did major damage to his knee. He comes back in 2023 – what you know we see guys come back from these major injuries some of them never look the same again especially those big boys like the heavyweights it can affect you differently your movement asmal is a guy whose speed has been a an attribute of his in the past like on his way up so it's like if he can't move his feet as fast you know just to say there's a lot of question marks is an understatement he comes in right into a main event against marcin tibera finishes him in a minute and 13 seconds gets himself into a title fight with this big, scary Russian, Sergei Pavlovich, who's huge. He's one of the biggest hitters we've ever seen. And people are saying going into that fight, you know, Pavlovich could knock him out. Aspinall maybe has some grappling upside if it goes past the first round, some cardio upside. Screw the grappling, screw the cardio. He goes out there and knocks him out in a minute and nine seconds, which to me, that was just a really good story to become the interim champ, which I think we can call – you know, it's a it's a weird circumstance with with John Jones and Stipe holding up that division, for lack of a better term. We'll call it interim champ. To me, sometimes when I think of that, I in my head I genuinely forget that it was for an interim belt, and I think it was for the the uh, undisputed belt. To me, that just such a great story. He comes back from an injury, responds the best way you'd want to respond with two one minute KOs, and yeah, he's my um, feel good story of the year. So now our favorite category, the Jay Perrin Jobber of the Year. And this one was kind of tough for me because it's like last year, who did we give it to? Last year, we gave it to Derek Minner. It was was no, no questions asked. So here I got three candidates, and I want your opinion on, you know, who you think should take the cake. So first, Abus Magomedov. You know, last year, I mean, when he front kicked Dustin Stoltzfus, people were talking about like, oh, my God. Like, like, do you remember he called out the champ after that? He said, we yeah. have a new champion here. Like, people were talking like this was the second coming of Christ, right? And yeah. then um, the two performances he had against Strickland and um, Kyle, it, it's no big deal losing the fighters of that caliber. It's how he lost. It's yeah. like he showed the polar opposite of not even, not even a future champion, but a future top 15 guy. He showed he's – just uh, the man for 30 seconds, and that's it, you know? So that sucked. Um, Shannon Ross, when, you know, when you got knocked out brutally on Contender Series, but because you came in there with a broken orbital and, you know, you showed toughness, you know what? We felt bad for you. We're friends with your manager. We'll give you another shot. First two UFC fights gets knocked out in under a minute, Andrew. Next UFC fight lasts a little bit longer, still gets knocked out in the first round. 
And then last but not least, Japanese Connor. Um, uh, I don't even remember his name. Kinoshita. Kinoshita. Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, like the hype this guy had, the highlight reel this guy had on his regional scene. Like when he was, his only loss was him stomping a dude unconscious. Like yeah. I was like, this dude's brutal. And and Japan needs a fucking guy to come out, come out there and wave the torch because they haven't had a big prospect in a long time. I mean, you know, there's the Rinya Nakamura's here and there, but I'm saying like Nakamura's still fighting guys like uh, what's that kid's name? Fernie Garcia, right? So he's at the very, very low end of the totem pole. Whereas we were looking at this kid, uh, Japanese Connor, like yo, two two knockouts, and you're about to. Be, you're about to be fast-tracked. He gets the winnable matchup against Fugit, the winnable matchup against Goff. He doesn't just lose those fights. He gets embarrassed, like, like badly. Um, so, honestly, man, I think he might be the jobber of the year, even though th- it just hurts me because he didn't act like an idiot. Like, he, yeah. didn't, he didn't do anything wrong. He just wasn't ready. Um, but it's just, it's just tough. So, between Japanese Connor, Shannon Ross, and Abus, who do you think gets it? And who was your who was your pick? So mine was actually none of those three, but I, for yours, out of those three, I would probably pick um, Kinoshita just because of the hype that was behind him. Like no one was hyping Shannon Ross, <laughs> um, but yeah, Kinoshita. And like you said, it's nothing he did wrong. It's just it's just was an unfortunate uh, season for him and. Um, yeah, I don't think his future in the UFC is anything crazy, but I'd like to see him, you know, bounce back, overcome some adversity, and at least keep his name in the mix for another year or two. So who's your uh, your guy? Like you, that there was no obvious one to me. I went with Cody Gibson because I watched The Ultimate Fighter, and I thought the way he handled himself was, like, really embarrassing, for lack of a better term. I think he was acting like an asshole – um almost bullying Brad Katona in a sense. And then they went out there and had their fight and Katona beat him. It was a good fight, but Katona dug deep and the whole time um on tough Cody Gibson's like, oh, all you're gonna do is try to grab my legs. And Katona and Katona went out went out there and beat his like changed his face. So for me, uh Cody Gibson, Jay Perrin job of the year. Derek Minner stunt of the year. What do you think? I went with Anshul Jubilee. I know Derek <laughs> Minner. It's it's not really like I, the Derek Minner thing was obviously like, you know, there, there's a whole other situation with that. So I just went with stunt, stunt of the year, I guess, for lack of a better term. Jubilee up two rounds to none over Mike Breeden, who missed weight, was on his, seemed to be on his way out of the UFC. He's a minus. Was on his way out. They cut him. The, yeah, they cut him. <laughs> and, um, He's up 2-0. He's like minus 1,000 or whatever on the live line. Breeden's just walking him down, barking in his face. To me, I don't even know how you come back from that. That To me, that's the stunt of the year. You're up 2-0. You're up 2-0. You could pull guys off the street right now, say all you have to do is survive against Mike Breeden for five minutes and you win. They, they might be able to do it. So the fact that he couldn't has earned him the stunt of the year award in my book. I like it. I like it. Um, so my two runner-ups before I give my – my number one. So um, Javid Basharat. I mean, he's a fucking great fighter, Javid Basharat. So is it, so is his bro, uh, Farid. But in that fight he had against Victor Henry, Javid versus Victor Henry, 
So Victor Henry is a 30 fight vet. He's never been finished one time, Andrew. Javid, they have a you know a close 50-50 first round. And then in round two, Javid nut punts him to the point where this guy, Victor Henry, who's never been finished in 30 fights, is convulsing. They say when he went backstage, his balls were like the size of watermelons. They said they had to rush him to the hospital and do all these things. And then Javid is going on social media talking about how this guy quit and this guy wanted a way out. And and I'm all about calling out actors. I mean, you remember the year Aljamain Sterling won the Academy Award for Actor of the Year, like, you know, when he won this Grammy, um, excuse me, his Oscar. But uh, I didn't see any acting from from Victor Henry. I thought Victor Henry got legitimately hurt, man. He got nut punted. And for Javid to act like that, I, I, I didn't like that, man. So that was... Um, that was one of the stunts of the year for me. The other one was Ankle Live. Same exact thing in the Johnny Walker fight. You illegal, you illegally knee the guy, and and people are gonna be like, "Oh, Dan, you're such a hypocrite because you were giving Aljamain Sterling shit." Guys, uh, Johnny Walker didn't put on a, an Academy Award winning performance. Johnny Walker was ready to keep fighting. It was a big difference. And then uh, Ankle Live's going on social media calling this guy a quitter and. It's like, bro, like you illegally need him. How are you going to call him a quitter? And if he would have put on an Aljamain Sterling acting job, okay, but he didn't. He, he was ready to go. So that was bullshit. But number one, the number one for the Derek Minner stunt of the year has to go to Colby Covington. To talk the kind of shit that this man talked, uh, which we've come to expect over the years, and I have no issues with that, but if you're going to talk shit, you got to back it, man. And for a guy with his credentials, with his style, with that relentless forward pressure and how you're going to attempt 20 takedowns and do the whole bit, he didn't even shoot a takedown until round three. Uh, so already the fight was a stunt in itself. And then after the fight, saying the reason he lost is because he supports Trump. Like, dude, there's tons of us that support Trump that can see that you lost the fight and it had nothing to do with your political affiliation. Like, so the way he acted before the fight, the way he acted during the fight, uh, and the way he's acting after the fight. And then also um, the Leon's dad stuff. Like, listen, man, no one's – I don't even know if the shit's true. He said that Leon's dad was a former trafficker, which if that's true, of course I don't fucking advocate that. But, like, that's not Leon's fault, so don't take that out on Leon. So I don't know. I just uh, really felt like Covington pulled probably the most epic stunt uh, of 2023. Yeah, for me, one of the coolest things in this sport is when someone talks shit and back and fully backs it up. Oh, yeah. And that's what got Colby, guys like Colby, guys like Chael, guys like Rampage, guys like Bisping, guys like Connor, fans over the years, just because they talk shit. Like Connor's the best example. He said everything he was going to do and then he did it. And Colby, it was cool when he was coming up and when he was fighting RDA and even the Usman fights and Masvidal, you know, he's going out there and he's, he says all this crazy stuff about Masvidal and he goes in there and fights like a warrior for 25 minutes. He says all this stuff about Leon leading up to the fight. You know, he was fortunate to be in that position, getting a title shot after having a year and a half off. And he just goes out there and lays a complete dud. And to me, you know, if you go out there and you lose a fight, you, you fight your ass off. There's nothing wrong with that. And Colby did that twice against Usman. I mean, he put on one of the fights of the year in 2019, at the end of 2019 against Usman. And then when they fought in the rematch at the end of 2021, it was another really good fight. Like you could even, I'm not saying he did, but you could even make a case that Colby won that fight. 
But you go into this fight, you don't even shoot until the – and then it was funny when he started shooting towards the later rounds. Like when he started pacing, trying to put a pace on Leon, he was having more success. And it's like, why didn't he just do that the whole time? Not to say it's that, oh, it's that easy if he pushes a pace, he wins. But he at least would have had a chance. The way he fought literally didn't give himself a chance. So, yeah, I mean, you can't say all that and go out there and lay a dud. It's cool when it works. It's not cool. It's very uncool when it doesn't work. Absolutely. So we got to talk about our contenders to look out for in 2024 and our prospects to look out for in 2024. So who do you think are some good contenders that we need to keep our eye out for? So I picked three. Was that what we were doing? Three? Uh, Whatever you want. Okay. I I picked three. I picked Umar Nurmagomedov at 135. I picked Sean Brady at 170 and I picked Armin Sarukian at 155. Nice, nice. So I had a couple contenders. Uh, Jack Della, uh, he's not fighting. He's not fighting Brady. He's fighting someone else. So don't worry. Uh, no, I like Jack Della, um, Toporia, uh, and New, Blanchfield, Zhao Nan, Hill, Hill Jamal, not Hill Angela. Uh, <laughs> Bil- <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. That. <laughs> uh, Bilal, Krilov, Evloev, and Sarukian. Those are my contenders to watch. What about prospects? Who are your prospects to look out for next year? I went with a really obvious one at first. I went, I picked Bo Nickel as my number one. I think he's probably one of the most hyped up prospects in a long time. And he obviously fought a guy in Val Woodburn in his first fight in the UFC. Finished him, who, who's not really UFC caliber for my, in my opinion, but he did what he was supposed to do. I know he's training really hard and improving really quick. And I don't think, you know, I, I get why they gave him a Val Woodburn type fight. Cause he's only been fighting professionally for, he's only had a handful of fights total. I'm not even talking about the UFC. So I, I get why they did that. And I think it was the right move. I think they're going to give him a step up like now, probably if I had to guess, if not this fight his one after that, but I think they're going to give him a step up now. And I, I think he probably is going to pass a lot of those tests, you know, I'm not saying he's going to go undefeated and win the belt or anything like that, but I think with the skills he has already, he could probably beat a lot of the guys in the division. Number two, um, it was my um, my rookie of the year, Elves Brenner. I feel like I picked him as my rookie of the year, so we got to watch out to see what he does in 2024. He got a couple solid wins under his belt, a couple finishes, so looking forward to seeing what's next for him. And then last but not least, I went with Isaac Dolgarian as my number three. Um, there were a lot of unknowns about him coming into the UFC and he got his first fight against Arqueta canceled, actually bet on him and that fight got canceled. He comes in against Francis Marshall and just absolutely obliterates him. To me, I I know he's a very strong wrestling background to me from the limited amount of footage I've seen. I think the skills are there and I know it's a bold take, but I wouldn't be surprised if this guy's in the top 10 or fighting for a belt in the next year or two. Who's sorry? Isaac Dolgarian. Oh, yeah, yeah, bro. That plus 160 in his debut is incredible. Yeah. Uh, um. So one contender I forgot to mention is Manel Cap. Um, I've been yeah. high on him. I even predicted that he'd be champ uh, this year, but I think it's actually going to be next year. So he's one of my contenders. But to prospects, uh, Roman Kopilov has completely turned around my, my thoughts on him. Um, from when he first came into the UFC, he's – looking incredible uh danielle marcos i think he's someone to look out for tatsura tyra 
uh, Fareed Basharat. I think Fareed Basharat. I like both Basharat brothers, but I think Fareed has the higher ceiling. Uh, Mike Malat's been impressing me. Mario Bautista, Daniel Zellhuber, Michael Morales, Natalia Silva, uh, Mateusz Rambetsky, and Joshua Van. Those are some prospects for me to look out for in 2024. Who would you say is the number one pound-for-pound fighter on the roster right now? This is actually a really tough one for me. I went with Makachev, and there's a couple options you could go with. I mean, you could always say John Jones, but given the fact that he's hurt right now, I kind of didn't include him in the conversation. Makachev, um, he's just so well-rounded, and he's one of those guys who obviously is – very, very, very talented grappler, but I think his striking has made tremendous strides. We saw it. He knocked out Volkanovski in his last fight, which is a guy he had a very competitive fight with prior to that. Um, he finished Charles Oliveira, which wasn't this year, but just speaking to his body of work, that Oliveira is a guy who obviously former champ, beating a lot of those guys near the top of 155. Makachev just diced him. Um, he goes out there, head kicks Volkanovski. I, I think he's number one pound for pound. I actually think he would be a top five guy at 170 and possibly could even have a shot to win the belt. Uh, can you hear me? Someone yeah. says sound gone. Okay. Yeah. Don't, don't, me? don't mess with us like that. All right. Um, so it's easy to say John Jones, but he's injured. Um, and uh, who who's the other one that you said could get it, but, but didn't get it. Uh, I just I just said Jones and Makachev were the only one, ones. I okay, heard. yeah, yeah. I mean, Jones is injured. Jamal's injured. Well, I look at pound for pound different than everyone else does because people look at it as like, well, if their weights were equal, who would win? And then people have like Demetrius Johnson ahead of like Francis Ngannou, and I'm like, bro, but that's like, I view it as Francis Ngannou would soccer kick uh demetrius johnson like you know into the 10th row so to me it's like who's the guy that can beat everybody's ass on the roster um and that's tom aspinall uh so i think tom aspinall is the number one pound for pound fighter yeah maybe he um hasn't had the tenure of some of these guys but i think he can win a fight anywhere and more importantly than that i think he can beat any man on god's green earth so to me he's the number one pound for pound fighter on the planet Uh, gym of the year and coach of the year for me they're the same gym of the year extreme couture coach of the year eric nixick i mean to bring sean strickland to a ufc belt to i don't know how much impact he had on uh you know francis and gano doing what he did against tyson fury but still came out of that gym you arguably got the heavyweight boxing and ufc champ and uh Strickland and plus all the young up and comers they got coming, they got coming out of there. Good little stable of fighters. I love the mindset on Eric Nixick. That's my fighter. That's my coach of the year and my gym of the year. Last year was Fortis MMA. This year, Nixick and Extreme Couture. I went with the same as you for the same reasons you gave. For me, this was a pretty clear cut one. I didn't even really have to think about it. Easy choice. Yes, sir. All right. So. Now it's time for the fun and the not so fun. The best bets of 2023 and the worst bets of 2023. So let's start off with the best. Uh, what would you say? Let's go one and one. Yeah, All right. yeah. you, you give one, I give one. So tell me one of your best bets of 2023. Uh, I think we both had this Blanchfield over on Draj at plus money. 
Yep, we both did at plus 160, and then also we both had Xiao Nan plus 160 over on Josh as well. Both of those could be on the list, <laughs> yeah. honestly. But so yeah, there, I went with Blanchfield over on Josh as my first one. For sure. Um, I had that and Xiao Nan on there, but uh, I'm just going to tell you what my best one was. Uh, it was Bobby Green plus 390 over Grant Dawson. Uh, <laughs> that's that's got to be one of my best bets of all time. Um, just a plus three ninety straight. Um, yeah, and I, and I picked him out right. It wasn't even about well, I think the numbers off, but I'm leaning Dawson. No, like I picked Green and bet Green, so that's my best bet of 2023. What what else you got? Um, I went with Oliveira over Dariush at plus money. I thought it was a good buy low spot on Oliveira, and um, yeah, he finished him in the. First round, if I remember correctly. Nice. Yeah, he sure did. Um, for me, uh, Josh Frem plus 190 over Cedricus Dumas. Uh, at the time, man, Dumas was like the second coming of Christ to a lot of people. He was the next John Jones. He's the next Jamal Hill. People were literally saying stuff like that. I didn't buy it. Um, took the plus 190 on Josh Frem, and yeah, he welcomed him to the UFC in style. So that's one of the best bets of the year, in my opinion. Yep, and then um, my last one was Pat Sabatini over Almeida. Beautiful. Like minus, minus 163, and he legitimately looked minus 1,000. The grappling discrepancy was massive, and the fight was never competitive for a second. You mentioned Dulgarian plus 160 over uh, – what's the kid's name? Marshall? Yeah, I didn't have that, unfortunately. I didn't bet that. I was on that. That was a good one. Um, that was a great one. And then uh, let's see. Oh, I want to shout you out for Leon the third time over Uzman plus 215. You gave me some good info on that, so I took it and it hit. And then Brad Tavares over Chris Weidman. I know it was minus 245, but I've been saying since Weidman broke his leg uh, back against Hall, I actually bet Hall there, and I felt terrible about it. Um, But I said if Weidman ever comes back, he will be faded. He did come back. He was faded. And uh, that was that. And then my best night of the year, I actually did your show back when you were doing, um, fuck, remind me, that, oh, Sharp Side Saturdays. Um, it's funny. I, I thought of that. I saw the, co- the comment right there, and I immediately thought of when you did that. Yeah, I went on your show, gave out Zhao Nam plus 160, and blah, was it plus 125? I don't remember, against Burns. And that was, put three units on each, and that was like my best night of the year. So, yeah, so some good dog shots um it wasn't my year this year betting wise but you know i i'm really not discouraged it's just a couple adjustments uh and also sometimes man because uh how many how many years track do you have right now like five or six or something like that six six okay i'm approaching nine or ten um yeah, not every year is going to be your best. Sometimes there's things going on outside your life. Sometimes it's motivation. Sometimes just your reads aren't on point. So this year wasn't my year, but I'm like last time when I had a bad year, I was like super down and super discouraged about it. But this year I'm kind of like, listen, man, I'm approaching that 10 year sample size. Not every year is going to be my year. That's the bottom line. And uh, there's a lot of fixable mistakes that can be made because someone was telling me, uh well it, it it's super easy to to avoid having a losing year and i'm like yeah well you have a two-year sample size so right. you know right now you're riding hot anyone can ride hot show me how you do when you go through your adversity are you still gonna be here are you gonna be the guy that's taking out loans are you gonna be the guy that's freaking out are you got, gonna be the guy that's stealing people's money to remodel kitchens or are you gonna be the guy that you know hey we take it in stride we move on to the next and you know 
try to learn from our mistakes. So that's the kind of guy I am. So, yeah. So um, I just wanted to say that because you shouldn't be discouraged. You know, I look, if, if shit is cons- if you're losing 50 units every fucking year and you just, you know, you're you know, you have to take out loans, you have to ask people for money then this isn't for you. But if you're able to, you know, have the proper money management to where even in your worst years, you can still bounce back. You're still good. You know, you have a separate bankroll for betting than you do for everything else. Just little things like that. Then you're good to go. And I'm looking forward to next year. So can I just point something? Can I just add on to that really quick? Yeah, please. So what a lot of people who, who aren't really like full fledged in the betting space don't really understand it. And, and I didn't even really understand it until I was, you know, until I'm, really was betting for a living i didn't get it but you don't like in mma in general if you're betting ufc it's once a week at most and you particularly like obviously i've known you for a long time like i've seen your bets you're not betting every fight like you might have one bet on a card you might have three bets on a card at the even over a year you're not you don't have this massive sample size so like you could run really hot or really cold in a year like you so it's very different than say like an MLB capper, an MLB better. There's a hundred, each team plays 162 games. There's games every single day. Like you're going to have a massive sample size, not to say you can't have a losing year there too, but it's just different when the volumes as low as it is. So I, I don't think you can really judge by a year. And it's very easy to do that. Like you said, you know, if you've only had two years, like say you've only been tracked for two years, a year is half your entire sample size. So it feels like a big thing. And I remember when, when I, when my first couple of years doing it, it felt like, you know, every um, year should be this massive year. And last year I had a huge, one of my biggest years ever. And this year I, I didn't like, I, I had ended up in very slight profit and it was very frustrating, but it's one of those things where it's not indicative of anything you're doing. Like, I don't think you would say you've done anything differently or necessarily done anything wrong. Like when you, when you do lose over any sample size, there's multiple things that can go into it. Like you said, you can make bad bets. You could have bad beats, bad variants, something else going on for whatever reason, the chips just didn't fall your way. And I think it's very important for anyone who's trying to bet seriously. And I'm not saying you have to bet for a living. I'm not saying you have to, you know, this be the only thing you do this. You have to, wager a ton of money on fights or anything just if you're trying to take this semi seriously i think it's very important that you need to understand that and it's something that i learned it took me years to learn but it's not this oh you need to win every single time you're you're betting you need to win every month you need to win every week you need to win every year it's never going to be like that you need to make what you perceive to be plus ev bets get the best number you can and then keep a level head regardless of your short-term results very well said. Very well said. So worst bets of 2023 and the two that stick, uh, um, you know, that stick out. Sodik over Barboza because of how confident I was. I really thought the way Sodik treated him in round one is what I thought was going to happen. And man, it's also one of the most frustrating bets to lose ever because, you know, you kill, you kill the guy in round one and then you like stop fighting, whether it was a broken hand, whether it was a, you know, adrenaline dump, whether whatever the case might have been there, that was just, you know, those last 20 minutes of the fight were so frustrating. And and because I went big on it. And then most recently, Bryce over Emmett. Um, yeah, you can say, okay, Emmett's only path was the knockout. And had that not happened, who knows? But Bryce was like similar to Colby. 
he wasn't doing that forward pressure that we liked. Um, he didn't need, like Bryce didn't even attempt a single takedown. Uh, Colby didn't attempt a takedown until round three. So it's just yeah. so frustrating. Like if if Bryce shot twenty takedowns and then he got caught, then I wouldn't put this on my worst bets of the year. But the fact that he didn't even shoot a single one, yeah, it hurt. Yeah, for me, I went with uh, Jan over Marab. It's just a yeah for me. For me, that was a here. So I'm gonna go on a rant here. If I make a bet and I lose, it happens to me every day. I make dozens of bets every single day. It happens to me all the time. I could live with it. It doesn't bother me. If there's nothing about my process that I did wrong, it doesn't matter. Like it truly doesn't matter to me whether I win or lose in the short term because I know my process is so fine tuned that over a big sample size, I'll, I'll win tenfold, twentyfold, thirtyfold, whatever. But that was one of the what I hope to keep to a minimum of uh, what I like to call a um, an unforced error is what I would call that fight. Because me personally, some of the biggest edges I've found over the years are betting on these chain wrestling cardio machines in the right matchups. Not to say it's a blind bet, but it just really in retrospect, and again, this is all hindsight 2020, but it's very important to me to be able to unbiasedly look back at my bets and say which bets were good bets which bets were bad bets to me that's an unforced error that's a fight i should never be that should automatically be dog or pass when you're getting a grappler who has that type of cardio that type of pace against a striker and it's not to say that the striker can't win in that scenario but when you're laying minus 175 for the stake that i used like i i made a sizable bet on that fight and marab looked like the clear favorite i felt like an idiot and it was an unforced error. You know, there's plenty of fights where I make a bet and it loses and, and literally brushes right off. I, I could bet a plus 250 that loses a split. And, you know, it sucks when they read the decision, whatever. But I'm not staying up at night being like, why did I make that bet? When I bet Jan over Marab, I'm sitting there like with a pit in my stomach. Like, what the hell? Like, this isn't you. This isn't th- – that was an unforced error for me. So, to me, that is my number one worst bet of the year. Yeah, and I can feel where you're coming from because it wasn't just, you know, he just got caught real quick. It was 25 minutes of torture, so I understand where you're coming from. So we got two more categories. We got to talk about the champs this time next year and the handicapper of the year. Um, Let's do the handicapper of the year first because that'll just take real quick. Uh, Who do you think is the 2023 handicapper of the year? The 2023 Andrew Gombas handicapper of the year because you won the – the inaugural one last year so can we add i know last year i added a category for comeback better of the year yeah yeah. dan levy comeback better of the year i have one for that too so if we could do that one also for sure for sure i appreciate it so my handicapper of the year and don't tell him i said this because he's gonna get a big head but is my good friend magic mma um he came just short of a 100 unit year he bets he Tips widely available lines, which a lot of people don't do. He doesn't bet until Wednesday or Thursday, which isn't even necessarily an optimal way to bet, which makes it all that more impressive in my eyes that he's able to turn out these monster years, like 90-something units in profit. And he's not even sharing his bets until Wednesday, Thursday, sometimes later in fight week. So for me, he's my handicapper of the year. And then comeback better of the year, uh, the Dan Levy comeback better – 
Am I saying that? Comeback better of the year goes to Clint, who had a monster year. I think he almost hit 100 units too. I know he was bummed after not having a great year last year, and he's just made so many improvements. And it doesn't seem like it's one of those situations where it was like, oh, you know, he had bad variants last year and good variants this year. It was like, to me, it seemed, you know, I've known him for a long time now, and I think you have also. It seemed like he's really made some changes in his approach, and he's matured as a better. And to me, it was just so great to see because obviously he's super likable, and you, you want to see a guy like that do well. So my um, handicapper of the year is Magic, and my comeback better of the year is Clint. Yeah, I'm with you on the comeback better of the year. I uh, I mean, you said it well, like to go from your worst year to your best year. That's like what happened to me the last two years. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, Clint, great job. And then as far as handicapper of the year, um, I think you picked a great one, Magic. Uh, you know what's funny? I told you this privately. So Magic's been on uh, Twitter for a long time, right? And like when he was first on there and he had the Yoel Romero uh, profile pick, I thought that he was just like, some 15 year old kid, like, uh, like, you know, like one of those guys, I don't want to mention any names, but you know who I'm referring to, like, um, you know, masterminds, prodigies and rah, 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 you know, um, and, and I thought, you know, he was just some $5 better with a Yoel Romero profile pick that just talked a lot of shit, but man, now that he's been doing this show with you, I see his tweets all the time. He's literally like the funniest fucking account on twitter i'm always dying laughing when i see his stuff and he's got some very sharp takes so um i think that's a great pick for me i'm going with pepe uh, i think pepe's had a monster year this year i think his reads have been on point i think that he's someone that's very dedicated um it seems like he's all in right now he's also been very supportive of the show which if he was a total dick to me and he still had those results i'd probably still give him the award anyways because I felt like he's really put in work, but um, seems like a really solid guy. Um, and uh, yeah, so I got to give him the Andrew Gombas Handicapper of the Year Award. Yeah, shout out to him as well. Great year. Now we got to talk about the champs this time next year. So, uh, okay, so I'm going to pull up the rankings. This is the one where I didn't write down my answer. I want to go like back and forth. Um, you know, from the ranking. So who do you think is going to be flyweight champ this time next year? Yeah, real quick. So I actually did this on my show last night and I did it the same way as you, like I didn't prepare it at all. So these are still my candid answers. Like I didn't prepare them when I, like I'm sticking with the same one. So I don't want you to think that I wrote these out. Th these were right off the rip too. So great, great, 125, great. 125. I went with uh Brandon Moreno. Okay. I think he gets his belt back. I think, um, it's very close between him and Pantoja. I bet Pantoja last time. I think it would be very closely aligned again. But I also think that Moreno's the kind of guy who can make adjustments and improvements. We saw him, you know, he lost a competitive fight to Figueredo the first time. He comes back, beats him the second time, comes back, beats him the third time. He could, clearly can make adjustments. I know he's lost to Pantoja a couple times now. You know, over a Three times. Three times, over a multi-year span. But I do think that, it's very plausible he gets back in there with um, Pantoja by the end of the year. And I think it's probably a close fight again, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Moreno gets the jump on him this time. I'm going to go Manel Cap. Um, I think that he's got all the tools to be a champ. Comes into the UFC, makes his debut against Pantoja. And, I mean, you got to understand that, like, dude, he was fighting with 
tennis shoes in Japan, like two fights prior, like the refs got an earpiece on and like just a, you know, they're fighting in a ring, not a cage. Like yeah, and he and he still fought really close with Pantoja the first time. I thought he beat Nicolau. Um, it was close, but I thought he'd beat Nicolau. I think he's gonna beat Nicolau again. And I think Manel Cap, either Manel or Pantoja, but I'm gonna go with Manel to be the champ this time next year in the flyweight division. Bantamweight, who are you thinking? I went with Marab. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. This guy has some tools that we've rarely seen in MMA before. I really like Sean O'Malley. I think Marab's his worst stylistic matchup. Ironically, I think Marab's worst stylistic matchup is the one he's going to fight next. I think Cejudo is probably his toughest fight, but I still think he beats Cejudo. And I think if you get him in there, with either Cheeto or O'Malley before the end of the year. I think he beats both of them. So I'm predicting that Marab Valishvili is the 135-pound uh, champ this time next year. Well, the reason I disagree is because I don't think they're going to let Marab get the title fight. I think uh, – It's a know, fair, fair point. Yeah, like even if he beats Ahudo, all right, here's Umar. Like You know, it's, it's going to be that kind of thing. Um, I'm going O'Malley, and the reason why is because – it's either going to be Cheeto or O'Malley, in my opinion. Um, I think if O'Malley beats Cheeto, I don't think he'll fight again for the rest of the year. So by default, he's going to end the year as champ. So the winner of that fight, uh, I said for the longest time, one day Cheeto is going to be champ, but that Sanhagen fight really soured those thoughts. Um, you know, you don't want to overreact to one performance, but that was a very alarming eye or eye-opening performance. So I'm going to go O'Malley. Featherweight. Featherweight, I think we're going to be in agreement here. Been screaming it from the rooftops for three, four years now. But I think Ilya Tapiria is going to be the 145-pound champ. Um, he's going to get in there with Volkanovski, and I'm picking him to win that fight. It's a hard fight. Don't get me wrong. This is not some washed version of Alex Volkanovski, like some people are saying. He went out. He went up a weight class, and he lost to Makachev, who's my pound-for-pound pound number one. On a week notice. On a week's notice. There's no shame in that. So – I don't want to take anything away from either of these guys. This, in my opinion, is two guys that probably are in the top five or ten pound for pound right now. But I think Ilya gets the best of them. And, you know, he probably has one more fight after that, whether that be a Volkanovski rematch or someone like a Yair or Ortega. Or, I think he beats both of them. Um, yeah, I'm going with Tapuria. Well, I do agree. I think Tapuria beats Volk. And, again, not because I think Volk's on his way out. Just, you know. I just think that Zaporia has a lot of championship cal uh, qualities. Mm -hmm. And I agree. He beat the Yairs, the Ortegas, you know, the Emmets. You know, he already beat Emmett 50-42, you know, stuff like that. But there's this cat named Movsar of Loyev, who's number nine. He's about to fight number three, Arnold Allen. He gets past that. He might be right up there with a for a title shot because he's like 17-0, 18-0. Um, and I'm not convinced Zaporia beats him. So... Hmm. It's either Taporia or Evloev this time next year. Um, but uh, I'll go Taporia because that's a safer pick because he's already fighting for a title uh, coming up. But don't don't sleep on Evloev, man. He's legit. We were, Lightweight. we were supposed to get that fight. We were. We were. Yep. Someday. 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 Lightweight. What do you think? I'm sticking with Islam until proven otherwise, but it wouldn't surprise me if a guy like Sarukian got in there and took the belt because I think that is a hard fight for Makachev. But for me, he's my pound-for-pound pound number one. 
And he also doesn't fight that often. So like you said earlier, he might only fight once or twice and that might be enough. So I'm sticking with Makachev. Yeah. The only thing I'd be worried about is like him retiring, like, you know, cause we're going like, up to 170. Yeah. Habib like randomly retired, you know? So mm-hmm. as soon as this guy thinks it's father's plan or whatever, cause like I got Islam over Charles, I got Islam over Justin, Islam over Dustin, um, Islam over Michael, Islam over Benny, over Fazeev, already beat Hooker, you know, Turner's not, you know. So the the guys that are that are trouble at lightweight are Benoit Santini, uh Gamrot, and Sarukian. So one of those three could possibly do it, but I'm a, I'm gonna go Islam. I'm gonna go Islam. Welterweight. Here's where I think we both agree there's not gonna be a, a British champion. Um who do you think is gonna be the welterweight champ this time next year? It's a it's a bold prediction, but I went with Sean Brady. I think um, Champ? Yeah. I think that in a way, like obviously I've been wrong about Bilal a few times, but at this point, there's no denying that he's a very solid fighter. And I think he's actually one of Brady's hardest stylistic matchups in the division. Would you agree with that? That Bilal's a hard matchup for Brady? Well, yeah, we saw it. Yeah, exact. That that's my point. But I think there's guys who are around that spot in the ranking that would not be as hard of a fight as Bilal for Sean Brady. And I also think, you know, you get a guy like Brady, who I think that was his first pro loss. He seems to me the kind of guy that he can learn from that. And I think he can build off of it. And it almost is like what um, Jeff Neal was for Bilal at one point in his career. Like he, he gave him a loss. Bilal went back to the drawing board, put together this insane streak and kind of went on a run. I, I, I know it's a, um, it's a bald one for sure, but I think Brady, if he gets a little bit more active next year, I think he could be fighting for a belt by the end of the year, especially at 170 where you have these guys like, there's a chance Bilal wins the belt and that'd probably be a little bit harder for him to get a title shot. But if Bilal wins it, then loses it or Bilal loses it to Leon. Like he could be in there faster than we think, especially because we have like Usman going up to 185. Colby's on his way out. Steven Thompson's not in the mix anymore. And you have newcomers like another one I think will be in the mix is Shavkat. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going with a bold one here. Sean Brady. I went with a lot of, a lot of, I feel like common answers leading up to it, but this is my first like out of the box one. Yeah. I think it's either going to be Bilal or Shafkat. And I think there's a chance both of them can touch gold this year. One of them dethrones Edwards. The other one either defends the belt against the other one or, or loses the belt to the other one. So Mm -hmm. I think either Bilal or Shafkat's going to be champ this time next year. I'm going to go Bilal. All right. Uh, Middle way. Real quick. I found my, I didn't watch our last year's episode, but I found my notes from last year and just uh, just a couple funny ones. I realized I put Islam as my pound for pound number one last year too. Yeah. And um, there were some other funny ones on here too. Like prospect to look out for was Bo Nickel and he's still a prospect to look out for. So just funny how like some things are way different. Like, you know, there's some people we had like chant predictions that are nowhere near or some people we had as like breakout fighter of the year who lost this year. And then there's some that stayed exactly the same. So it's funny how that happens. But anyway, um, what's next? 185. Yep. Yep. I'm going with Chemaev. Um, You know, he fought at 170. He's up at 185. And it's one of those situations where, you know, he's a good size favorite against Kamaru Usman. 
He goes out there. He dominates the first round. The next two rounds are very close, and Chimaev wins the decision. And to, for, to me, I think that's so impressive, but it's all about perspective. Some people say that, oh, Chimaev's a fraud. He faded in the later rounds. Like He just fought – the guy who was pound for pound number one in the world a couple years ago, and he got his hand raised. And how many guys in 185 can wrestle like Kamar Usman? Because it's not very many of them. And I know there's going to be guys like Sean Strickland who are pretty good defensive wrestlers who is cardio for days, and that's not going to be an easy fight for him. But again, like I said with Brady, there's sometimes fights that can make you better. For Adesanya, it was the war with Calvin Gaston, what kind of elevates you to the next level. It wouldn't surprise me if that Kamaru Usman fight elevates Chimaev to the next level. We already know his potential, what, is ca- what he's capable of. If he could stay active in 2024, I, th- I think he ends the year with the belt. Yeah, so here's my thing. Um, so Chimaev used to be the guy, I kill everybody, and he wants to fight every single weekend and do the whole bit, but now that he's rich, uh, he barely fights at all. So... We know Strickland and Duplessis are going to fight. So here's my thing, because Duplessis versus Adesanya is a big money fight with the kind of shit those two are going to talk. They're going to build that up, you know, Africa versus Africa. Um, so, okay, I need your opinion on this, because next week, you know, I do my boldest prediction show with Liam, and one of my boldest predictions was Adesanya is not going to fight again in 2023. But now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, well, if Duplessis wins the belt, could that, you know, could money talks, man. And that's a big fucking fight, Duplessis and Adesanya. So I could see that happening. I'm I'm going to go Duplessis to be champ this time next year. Like, I think Strickland can actually pick him apart, but I think it would be a, a case where he's getting picked apart and then that just death touch. The magic like, happens. I don't know what it is with Duplessis. It looks ugly as hell, and he just bonk, you know? So, yep. um, but if Duplessis does win does Izzy all of a sudden get the itch again? Like, or do they present him with the the kind of numbers on that check to where, Hey, come, come, come make this fight happen. But I could also see Chimaev. My only issue with Chimaev is now that he's rich beyond belief, he, he fights like once a year, you know, whereas he used to fight once a weekend. So, um, yeah, so I, I'm gonna go, uh, Duplessis. Let's see what happens. It's solid too. Light heavyweight division. You already know my answer. Uh, the one true king, Jamal Hill. Uh, not just the best light heavyweight on the planet, but I think one of the best light heavyweights we've ever seen ever. Um, you know, I, I made a bet with someone uh, who was going to touch gold first, Magomed Ankle Live or Jamal Hill. And, of course, they picked Ankle Live. I picked Hill. And it was great because Hill, uh, Ankle Live had that draw with Jan <laughs> where I actually max bet Ankle Live, and I was so pissed. And then I bet on jamal and his title fight and he goes out there and sets records i just think as long as he can recover from that fucking um uh, torn achilles that's the rupture achilles that's the the big question here but if he does i think he's a, a special fighter and i think he's better than all these guys yeah so like i mentioned earlier in the show for me this is the hardest weight class to pick a champ because i feel like there's so many intangibles i ended up going with ankle high very unconfidently and to me i feel like for, for did you, you you went for with ankle eye for pfl or for ufc <laughs> um yeah i i went with ankle eye but i feel like if hill wasn't coming off of a major injury i probably it's one of those things for for me it's with those two obviously doing no tape not having seen them fight recently 
it's close to a coin flip. I just edged it to Ankaliyev due to the fact that he's active right now and Hill's coming off of an injury. Would it shock me if it went the other way? Not at all. Would I confidently pick uh, Ankaliyev to beat Hill? No. Um, but I do think that the two guys we saw – again, nothing against them. I do think the two guys we saw fight for the 205-pound belt last aren't the two best guys in the 205-pound division. Agreed. So, for me, that's a strong – that's my stronger opinion. Rather than choosing between Hill and Ankaliyev, I think my stronger stance is that Hill and Ankaliyev are better than Yuri and Pereira. Again, nothing against those two. I just don't think they're the best at 205 right now. Agreed. So, you're going Ankaliyev. All right, heavyweight. Uh, I'm going Tommy Aspinall, man. I think he's so well-rounded. Uh, I called him number one pound for pound for a reason because i think he can beat any grown man on planet earth period point blank on the feet on the ground uh the questions about his cardio i mean it's not his fault that no one can last like over x amount with him that's not his fault um so if someone is good enough to extend them you know we'll see what happens but until then aspinall looks like he's got the goods and i'm gonna say he's the heavyweight champ this time next year there's no guarantee of when johnny's coming back because the injury he suffered like you know his like this right here, like, got detached by from the bone. So, like, like you know, like when you're shooting a takedown on someone and they sprawl out, and and so your arm gets kind of stretched when they're sprawling out. So apparently, when that happened, this just detached from the bone. That's how that, that's happened to me before, man. So you know firsthand that's not something that you just oh uh, you know two weeks of rehab and and I'm fighting a uh, Sergey Pavlovich. No, this is a he might be out the whole year. Yeah, so it's funny because that reasoning is what led me to thinking picking John Jones because I think there's a chance he only fights once. It's against Stipe, and he's going to be like a minus 300, minus 400 favorite. So I, that's why I went with Jones because I think he pro- there's a good shot he only fights once, and I think it's probably going to be a favorable matchup for him. Yes, sir. All right, uh, women's division. So um, let's see what we got. Women's uh straw weight you already know my answer uh i've been saying this since 2017 yan Nan is going to be the ufc straw weight champion um and i cannot wait for this china versus china all violent super fight and i really hope that yan Nan um goes out there and beats her in china uh yeah and violence will be back at straw weight so i look forward to it I went with Tatiana Suarez here. I know she came back and didn't look like the best version of herself, but I think it's also important to note that that was at 125 against pretty solid grapplers. For me, the biggest question mark with her is five-round cardio, but I think if she can answer that with a positive check mark, that she'll probably be the champ. All right, flyweights. Right now, Alexa is the champ. Um... I'm going to go uh, Aaron. I'm going to go Aaron. Aaron Blanchfield. What do you think? Yep, me too. And then last but not least, women's bantamweight. We got, oh, yeah, Myra Bueno Silva. I think Myra Bueno Silva is finishing all these girls. Uh, there's no one that really stands out that is, oh, like, let this person get a couple more wins and they're going to make – like, I got Myra over Juliana. I got Myra over Raquel, over Ketlin Vieira, over Irena. Already beat Holly Holm. And then I'm not 
I feel no threat by Panic Kianza and Yana Santos and Macy Shazan whatsoever and Misha Tate and Julia Avila. So I think that Myra Bueno Silva is going to bring the violence that Amanda Nunes once brought to that division, and she's going to be the new uh, Brazilian queen. So I'm going Myra Shitara Bueno Silva to be the champ. This is probably my, along with 205, my least confident one to pick. I picked Raquel Pennington. It wouldn't shock me if it's Bueno Silva. Like I said, that fight's coming up, and I haven't really done any diligence on it. I just think off the top of my head, I like Pennington's process a little better, but there's no denying that Bueno Silva um, has a very good skill set, good finishing instinct. Like there's not a lot of finisher, like true finishers in that division. So I think it's going to be one of them too. Cause like you said, I don't think anyone's going to come along and shock everyone. And, Oh, this is the, this is the guy now kind of thing. But I think it's one of the, probably one of those two. So, I think we did it, man. It's time to wrap it up. Uh, I just pause. You said what now? I just saw your comment. No guy that lost to Marcin Prestino and Andrew Sanchez is beating Jamal in a fight. <laughs> Straight up, bro. <laughs> hey, Andrew, really uh, appreciate you coming on here, man. Uh, let's make this an annual thing just like we have. Oh, Next year will be the third. And uh, let's go ahead and book you back on half the battle when Taporia fights Volk. Sound good? Absolutely. Awesome. Y'all can follow Andrew at Bets and Picks MMA on Twitter, um, on YouTube. Do you still do your YouTube channel? I know you got Magic and Andrew, but do you do your personal YouTube anymore? I haven't been posting on there lately, but I think I might try to start it back up again in some form. You know, the, the Saturday mornings are really tough for me during football and basketball season because a lot of the betting I'm doing happens right on Saturday mornings. So I had to cancel that show, but I'm looking to put some kind of content out there just because I, I truly do enjoy it and hopefully people can get some kind of value out of it. Absolutely. You guys definitely should. I vouch for this man, as you know, so make sure y'all follow him. Anything else you want to plug or let the fans know or anything? No, thank you again for having me. I know there's a ton of people you could have chose from, so I don't take it lightly that you uh, picked me for this show. And yeah, thank you guys for all tuning in. Everyone have a Merry Christmas and we'll see you back next year. Yes, sir. We look forward to it to the fans. Thank you all so much for your support whether it's from day one whether it's along the way or whether it's more recently truly truly appreciate it uh, i'm going to be back next week with liam to do our top 10 boldest predictions for 2024 uh, please give the show a like hit the subscribe button if you're not subscribed when this is done leave me a comment also make sure you follow me on twitter at best fight picks make sure y'all uh, hook up my boy Andrew with a follow and, you know, check out all his stuff. I highly vouch for it and recommend it. And thank you guys for an awesome year. So I'll see you all next week. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.